Okay, well, good afternoon. It's wonderful to see you. My name's Steve. I'm married to Tammy. And um, we're going to be sharing a little bit um, this afternoon about our journey into this thing we call multi-site. Um, this session is dubbed as a workshop um, uh, rather than a seminar. So it's, um, I think that means you've got to talk to each other. I think... I think <laughs> Um, uh, I think that's what you got, you got to do. Um, but it would be good just to get a, a feel for the room. We've got we've got an hour to have a brief conversation about this uh, this this subject. So, but it would be good, it'd be a great just to get a feel for the room. How many of you here are senior pastors, lead pastors in your context? Okay, some of you. How many of you um, are genuinely considering multi-site as a, an option? Okay. How many of you just couldn't think of anything else to go to? So, um, okay. Um, that's fine. That's fine. We can cope. But um, what we thought we would do is we would just spend maybe the first little portion of our time telling a little bit of our story, just the, the journey that we've been on. In the last three, three, three years, um, uh, give you some of our reasons why we think um, multi-site might be a good option uh, for you, uh, and just some of the mistakes, lessons learned, all those sorts of things. Uh, and then what we would love to do is just um, kind of open it up to questions. I thought, I thought, what might be a good place to start if maybe Tammy or someone, someone who, anybody want to volunteer to be like. A scribe, someone you can write on a flip chart. Anyone? Before I pick somebody, you can't write. You can't write. Anybody? Volunteer? Anybody? Vicky, thank you. If we pull the flip chart over, it might be good just to gauge what some of the questions might be, and it might be as we go through what we're talking about, we hit some of those questions, um, or it might be that we we get to address some of them at the end. So questions, burning questions that you might have. Anybody want to go first? How would you gauge success? How would you gauge success? Get you with it. Um, other questions? Andy? Um, what have you done different, if anything, to Aberdeen? Okay. Jude? Okay. Right time to start. This gentleman here. Oh, sorry. This one first, and then you. Was there anything um, that made you think, why are we doing this at any point? As in, why, why on earth are we doing this? Okay, yeah, yeah pl plenty, plenty, yeah. Okay. A couple more. Gentleman at the back. Yeah. I think we'll hit that one. 
this gentleman here. Okay, shall we? Let's part the questions there. But um, I think we, I think we'll probably hit some of those. And if we don't know the answers, then then Craig's going to answer them because they're going to launch their church as a multi-site church on Sunday. Is that right? So um, they they'll be able to answer if if we can't. <laughs> um, so just to give you a little bit of context to us, uh, Tammy and I have been around the Vineyard family for uh, about 23 years, which is hard to believe. Uh, I joined when I was 10. Um, but no, we, um, so we, we've been around here a long time. We've um, mostly been involved in church planting. We've had the opportunity of planting two churches. Uh, we planted a church where we were 21 and 22 uh, they foolishly let us out and let us let us have a go, but we did that. And then, um, 14 years ago, uh, we planted the Central Vineyard uh, in Northampton. And um, when when we um, first set about um, thinking about the kind of church that we wanted to see planted, we really did feel this sense of call on us to essentially plant a church that would plant churches. That, that was that real sense of this is what we're called to do. This is, this is what we believe God's put in our heart to do. And, and the kind of imagery that we had, um, we were moving to the kind of county town in Northamptonshire, the, the kind of the central place in our county. So we were moving to this town and the image that God gave us back then was, was that we were planting a hub, um, that, that somehow we were... This church would be a hub that give birth to other churches. And, and the kind of picture was of a hub and a spoke. Uh, that, that somehow these, these churches that we eventually would plant would stay connected somehow to a central resource. So that was like 14 years ago. And we didn't have any language for that. We didn't, didn't know what multi-site was or anything like that. We, we, we just, that was the thing that God put in our hearts to do. But at the same time... Uh, we realised that, um, you know, planting a church that was about to take over the county of Northamptonshire was quite a big dream to sell people when you're planting a church. So we, we didn't really feel like we had the Lord's permission to share that whole thing. We kind of sat on that, that picture probably for about 10 years. And uh, we, we, uh, we went on sabbatical. And um, part of our sabbatical, we wanted to go and just visit uh, these churches that were doing this thing called multi-site and, and so that was part of what we did and we came back from sabbatical thinking you know what this is what we think the Lord has for us and we kind of felt we'd been given permission to start casting a vision for what it meant for us to, to be a multi-site church and so uh, we get back from sabbatical and um, a month back from sabbatical uh, we, we think we're going to tell people this is what we're going to do um, but instead we bought a building um, which is just a st stupid thing to do. You know, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if your dream is to kind of multiply yourself out into different places, why would you buy a building? But that's, that seemed to be what was on the Lord's agenda. And so that's what we did. We, we bought this building and uh, we bought, we bought an, it's, a, it's an old um, 
1970s monstrosity. It, it's, um, it's an old nightclub and workingmen's club, and it's about 12,000 square feet over two floors. And we had enough money. There's a, there's a whole other story, you know, there's a miracle of money and all of that. But um, we, we had enough money to refurbish one of the floors. And so that's what we did. We refurbished one of the floors and just started doing church there and all our midweek ministries and all those things moved into this building. Anyway, we, we were there for probably about uh, eight months. Um, and one of the things we began to notice was we were running out of space. Um, there was um, the, the room that we've got probably holds about 120. And um, uh, on a quiet week, we might have got 150 in there. Um, and, and, and so we, we realized we were quickly running out of space. And um, we kind of figured we had one of, one of a couple of options. We, we could put a sign on the door and say, no one else is welcome. That, that, was, that was one of the options. Uh, or the other option was really you know, the kind of picture that we, we had in our minds was what would it look like for us as people already sitting around the table to kind of shuffle up the bench and begin to make room for others? What would that, what would that look like? And one of the ways that we felt the Lord invited us to consider that was to, um, we started by multiplying our services. And so we went from um, there isn't a strong culture of like evening services in our context. Um, we, what we found is we, you do an evening service and every other Christian from any other church comes to get their, their spiritual top up, as it were. You know, and we just didn't want people to have a, an affair with our church. So um, we, we figured that actually an evening service wasn't the answer. And so we decided to multiply our two morning services. So instead of... Um, just a, a 10.30 service, we, we shifted and we have a 9.30 service and an 11.15, 11.15 service. And, and as I say, the kind of the imagery, the thing that we said to the church was we, we, we want to just shuffle up the bench. We're going to shuffle up the bench and make room for those that the Lord's inviting to come and be part of what we're doing. And so we, we did that for another year and probably 10 months into that journey, uh, we, we suddenly realized that actually both those services were full again. And um, we suddenly realized, well, we've got, a, we've got a little bit of a problem because, you know, I don't want to do a third service here. So what, what, what are we going to do? Now, we've, we've always been a regional church. And I think a lot of vineyard churches have a kind of a regional pool, don't they? We, um, you don't necessarily just have people in one particular part of the community. You have people far and wide come and be part of your church and so in that time period we actually began to notice that uh, a number of people were joining us from another small town just outside Northampton a place called Wellingborough and so so we just began to to see that happening and we just we just really felt that actually if if we were going to make some more room again maybe you know we've we think we can do this kind of well in one place um, two services quite well in one place. Maybe we could have a go at launching a second location, another service, uh, and the Lord might do something in our midst. And so that's what we did. So a year, a year after going to two services back to back, we we launched our first um, location uh, in the fine town of Wellingborough. And so we sent about forty people from there. We um, 
And I think that first Sunday, we had about 70 or 80 people show up, which we were just completely blown away by. You know, um, if any of you have church planted, you'll know that, you know, getting that kind of number the, second, the first week in is kind of exciting, is it? Because when we planted our church, it probably took about five years to get 50 people to stay. Um, and, and so to have more than that on week one felt, felt quite, quite scary. But so that's what we did. We launched this first site. And, and so that site kind of took off and things happened. Um, at the same time, uh, we had a, a couple in our church who'd also moved to another town, uh, a place called Kettering. Or if you're local there, it's Kettering. Okay, um, and, um, and, and, and so they'd moved to Kettering, they were planting some small groups, gathering some people, and, and before we knew it, there was, a, there was this other location emerging. And then, um, and then last January, or a little, a little bit before, um, when we were planting the site in Wellingborough, we, we wrote to all the churches in the area and said, you know, we're, co- we're coming to do this, we're, we want to partner with you, we we want to partner with what the Lord's doing there. You know, we're not, we're not going to steal your people or anything like, you know, we did all that politeness. And I think three churches uh, replied and said, that's great. You know, let's, let's have coffee. And, and this one particular church got back to us and we had coffee with them. And it was just a, it was an independent church in a, in, in just a small community just outside Wellingborough. And, um, and as we just began to talk to them, they just told us these wonderful stories of all that the Lord had been doing in this church for the last 20, 25, 26 years. It was just, we were just, we were completely blown away that this, this little ch- this church of probably about 150 people in a community of about 9,000 people. And they were just, they were making us such an impact. But every time they told us their story, they were just apologizing for how small it was and how insignificant it was. It was like, you guys don't know what you've got. You've got gold in your hands. And so we, we came away from that meeting this couple and we said, you know what? We emailed them and said, if, if there's anything we could do um, to support you, encourage you, cheer you on, just let us know. Just let us know. We'd love to, we'd love to be able to do that. And so they, we began a relationship with this church and and, the, and, and really the flip side of that relationship was, was that they, they began to ask us, well, what would it mean for us to be part of this, this vineyard thing? What would it mean for us to join the vineyard? And, and so we explored that a little bit. And, and then we just began to share with them the kind of vision and passion that God had given us for our county, that we, were, we wanted to see churches planted across Northamptonshire and that somehow we would work together to... To, to make a real lasting impact. And, and it just became apparent to us, and it seemed right to the Holy Spirit, and, and that actually that church would become part of who we was. And so um, uh, this just September just gone, uh, actually the Rawns Community Church, as it was then, became Central Vineyard Rawns. And so the, we, we kind of merged them into our, our church family. And so that, that's kind of, that, that journey for us has been the last three years, okay? So uh, we've, we've gone from being a church of about 200 maybe, you know, if you count pets and cardboard cutouts and all of, all of those things. So we've gone from being a church of about 200 to a, to a church of about 600. Um, uh, about 200 of those are under 18. So we have quite a lot of um, kids and teenagers uh, in, in our church. 
Um, I guess the, the philosophical question is why, why would we do multi-site? Um, why not do church planting? All those, all those sorts of questions. Um, the first one I put is, is it's the tool that God's given us in this season. It's what God's given us to do at this time. As I say, we, we planted our church 14 years ago with a dream in our hearts to do something that we didn't quite have a language for back then. But suddenly this, this, this language, this model of multi-site has kind of brought form uh, to what it is uh, God's doing. Um, second thing I would say is it keeps our focus on the Great Commission and uh, multiplication. That, you know, for us, we want multi-site to be uh, missional at its core. Um, you know, we recognise, don't we, that healthy things grow, uh, that we believe that, that healthy things grow. And Jesus, you know, John, John talked about it last night, you know, that, um, that Jesus is in the business of multiplying things. That the, the nature of the kingdom uh, is uh, to multiply. And so um, it just keeps our focus on, the, on those realities. Third thing is, is that it has some advantages over traditional um, church planting. Um, as I say, we, we, you know, Tammy and I moved to Northampton and knew nobody. And so we spent years and years and years building relationships, connecting with people, um, gathering people in different environments. And I say it took us probably a good five, six years to gather, you know, what looked like a church. <laughs> Until then, it didn't quite look like a church. But, you know, it, it took a long time to do that. And yet when, um, when we launched Sites, it seems that, that that's so accelerated, you know, that, that ability uh, to gather more people. I came across some stats that 80% of church plants will fail within the first five years, whilst 80% of multi-site plants are still thriving at the end of five years. That's quite startling, isn't it? That there's, there's, there's that reality that, you know, we, we want to plant lots of churches, don't we? We want to see lots of churches planted. But there is a reality that not all of them are going to succeed. Not all of them will make it. And, 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 and so multi-site for us is, is kind of, I guess, you know, if any of you have planted a church, you'll know that there is a level of emotional energy and um, investment that is made when it comes to planting a church. And I think one of the things that multi-site does is that you can still plant a church, go and pioneer something, yet at the same time there's this kind of crucial lifeline back to something bigger, a, a, a central resource, something that's feeding into what, what's, what's happening. It's not like sink or swim. You know, when we, when we planted our church, it was like, you know, here's a, here's a grand for a PA system and a crappy laptop and um, and and um, come back, you know, when you've got fifty people or something, like, you know. But it wasn't. It wasn't. It isn't that. There's this this sense of connection. There's systems that are in place that that help uh, what's being emerged to flourish and grow and and develop. So there is some advantages. Does that mean we don't want a church plant? Of course it doesn't. We want to plant churches. Uh, we want to see churches planted, you know, and that, for us as a church, actually, that feels like the next season for us is 
okay, we've got these four locations. What does it look like for us to also be involved in church planting and seeing churches emerge? Um, Multi-site, it allows for long-term neighborhood relationships. You know, there's that passage in, in the book of Acts, isn't there, where it says God determines the places where we live. And uh, there is something about being part of a worshipping com- community where you, where you live. You know, we, what we found is if people come to us from a, a distance, from a, another identifiable community, we probably keep them for about two years. Um, they're all excited at the beginning, you know, <laughs> they're willing to drive their car, um, but eventually that becomes tiresome. And, and, and what we found was that the, within a two-year period, what will happen is for some of those people, the, the center of gravity of their life will change, so they'll move closer to us, or they'll just drop off and connect with the church uh, more local to them. And, and, and so we think by, by having this kind of strategy and being a regional church that reaches out across a large area, actually we can begin to build local neighborhood connections. And the great thing about being a multi-site church in that context is that actually we, we get to have the resources of a, a semi-large church, but we get to empower smaller churches to do what smaller churches do best. You know, they do, they, there's something that a church of like 80 to 150 does really well, isn't there? That larger churches can't often do. Imagine doing a smaller church, but with much more resource behind you. And, and, and that's what we see as a great opportunity. The fifth thing is this, it, it provides room to welcome new people. And not only does it mean we welcome new people into the new site, but the, the, the space they were taking up on the seats back at our original location are suddenly empty again. And we get to welcome a whole bunch of other people uh, there as well. The reality is, is our Northampton location is pretty much at capacity again. Um, and, and so we're trying to figure out what is our next move. We could raise, I don't know, half a million pounds and finish our building. That's one option. Um, but, but I sometimes think maybe the Lord isn't doing that because he wants us to keep focused on, on, on what we're doing. And so that, that's just like five things that we kind of think, these are helpful things to remind us. This is from a, you know, we just think this is, this is why multi-site could be a good thing for us to do. So where would you, where might you start a site? So for us, we kind of, we looked at our context. Northampton is a large town. It's not a city. Uh, there's about um, 250,000 people live in Northampton. So it, it has the capacity of a city, but it is a large town. And then we're surrounded by these smaller, smaller communities. And so for us, in our context, it feels like uh, sites for us are probably something of like a, a 15 to 20 mile radius of us. That's, that's what we see as sites. Anything beyond that would probably be a, be a church plant. So this is a workshop. So why don't you um, turn to the person next to you, or if you're on your own, turn to someone who looks friendly, and um, just think about your context for a minute. Think about um, you know, the makeup of your city or your town, 
And if you were to launch a site from your church, where would it, where would it be? Okay? Are you marks get set? Go. Okay. I feel like we're... Um, I feel like we're planning world domination right now. Um, but that's an interesting question to consider, isn't it? You know, when you think about your context, think about your town, your city, uh, where actually would we do this? Where, where, where would we do this? And um, it's going to be different. You know, if you live in a large city... Um, then it's probably going to be obvious, isn't it? That there's going to be some obvious places that um, that, that would, would stand out to you. Uh, but if you live in a, like a more county or rural area, uh, like like we do, then then actually it it does it does shape shape your thinking a little bit. So how might we start multi-site? How might we do this? Um, as you as you heard from our story, we've kind of We've done it in some different ways each time. Um, I came across these uh, these three different ways. Uh, the first is the parachute model. Um, this is a little bit like um, a little bit like how we did Wellingborough. Uh, that you know we had this crowd of people gathering in that context, and we kind of parachuted in um, and um, launched something. Um, and that, and actually, the launch of that was very Sunday service driven and so um, that was the the impetus for gathering and that's how uh, we continue to to launch there um there might be uh, the, another model is a target driven model um and that and, and that's a little bit like our Kettering location that these guys have have kind of moved into that community they don't know anybody and are beginning to gather people into different environments and so uh, you know, small groups, a, a bit like classic kind of church planting 101. You know, they're just doing small groups, multiplying small groups, occasionally bringing them together uh, in some di- different contexts. So that's, a, that's another way to start sites. And then the other one is this, this merger model. Um, so, yeah, we have done all three. Um, um, this, this, this merger model. And... Um, they, they reckon one-third of all multi-site churches in the U.S. come about through mergers, uh, which, is, which is quite an interesting statistic. That uh, Mostly churches that are in decline, uh, churches that are uh, um, perhaps in, you know, their, their leadership is aging uh, and there's no succession in different contexts like that. Um, but that's, that's an interesting reality, isn't it? You know, um, uh, as, as regional leaders, we often get contacted by churches that are, are in that predicament, that they don't know what to do. Um, the, the senior leadership is, is heading towards retirement. They've not made any succession plans or anything like that. And, and actually, my sense is a merger adoption model is probably something that's going to become more and more of a reality uh, as we, as we uh, step into the future. And so, um, you know, for us in that context, um, we've been able to come alongside a fairly healthy church that had no succession. Um, 
And, and so the, the, the church was being led by a couple that are heading towards retirement. She's not retired just yet, um, but um, uh, she, she's probably going to retire within the next 18 months. And so uh, we've come alongside them. We've um, kind of injected some of our DNA and culture into them. And, and, and actually, there's, there's life starting to emerge. You know, they... Um, they, what was it, Pete? They, the other day, they had some people turn up because they found them on Google. That was that was a that was a novelty for them. But you know, um, and um, but you know, there's just this sense of life that's been injected uh, into this church because we've been able able to do that. I came across um, I came across this. Some of you may have seen this book by a guy called Brad House. It's called Multi Church. Um, and I think this, this is important because actually our, our perspective on what it means for us to be multi-site has shifted uh, quite a bit over these last, these last three years. But in this book, uh, he talks about uh, different ways that churches exist. He starts off with the pillar church, which is one church with a single service. Uh, he then moves on to uh, a gallery which is one church that expands to multiple services. So, you know, as that was the start of our journey. We went from one service to, to two services. He then talks about the franchise model of multi-site. One church cloned in multiple places. Uh, and there's lots, of, there's lots of validity in that. You know, you can create um, some consistent structures and see that multiplied out. Uh, into different locations. The negatives of that is that often it's personality-driven. Um, you know, it's, it's often built around one person's teaching gift. Um, often they, those venues are video-based venues where someone gets beamed in um, each week. Uh, and then he talks about a federation model. And that's one church contextualized into multiple locations. And I actually think this is where we are as a church. I think this is kind of how we are approaching uh, multi-site. And so someone asked that question, how, how are we different to Chuck and Taryn and the wonderful job that the guys at Catalyst Vineyard are doing? And I would say it's probably in this area. We are, we are far less franchised in our approach um, and so we have tried to contextualize things quite a bit in terms of uh, the mission of the church and uh, the way that they gather, uh, the, things that they, the things that they do. We haven't had a... So we, in Northampton, we have a, a massive uh, compassion ministry that we call Restore Northampton. Um, serves thousands of people each year. Our desire isn't to franchise that across our locations as well you know it's just a recognition that's what our Northampton guys are fully invested in but actually in some of these other communities there's other things going on there's other needs there's other realities and so we're desperately trying to say to those other locations how can you begin to dream at what the mission of God is for you uh, in in this context the one thing that we do franchise is our kids ministry and so for us, kids' ministry is, is identical across all of our locations. It gets put into crates every week and gets shipped out to all those different locations. But the, the, the reason for that is that 
it's, it's, it's one amount of input, <laughs> but actually the output is, ma is maximised. But actually that's the only thing that we, we really franchise. We, um, we have live preaching in every location. Um, and sometimes that live preaching will be the case that some of us will travel around and we'll, we'll give the same message in different locations at different times. And other times we will have local people preaching the same message as someone else locally on the same day. So, you know, it, it, it kind of mixes up a little bit that way. But I think this federation model is a... It's kind of a healthy, healthy balance between what it means for us to be one church and what it means to contextualise in the community that that church is in. In, in. in the book, he goes on to talk about some other models, a, a, a cooperative, one church made up of multiple independent churches, and then a, collected, a collective, a, a collection of churches collaborating as one church. So, some of you may... Um, may have seen what the guys in the Mar High Vineyard are doing in Denver. That, that that's, what, that's kind of where they're at, that this umbrella Mar High Vineyard exists, but actually there's a whole uh, group of independent vineyard churches collaborating together for, for the sake of the city. So, um, so the, I, I just thought that was an interesting, interesting thought, that actually for us that's been a progressive thing. I think when we started out the journey, franchise was probably what we thought. I, I come from a graphic design background, so controlling the brand um, uh, is important to me. Um, but at the same time, I realised that we have to have a little bit of a loose grip. You know, particularly, you know, we've adopted a church that's 27 years old, and we have to somehow honour their history, don't we? We have, we have to honour who they are in the midst of that and so we can't have too much of a tight grip or so we'll just destroy them uh, and, and that isn't that isn't the goal so I think I, I just think this I just wanted to throw that out there that this federation model might be uh, might be a way forward any um, any other things you want to say my darling <laughs> yeah it's um, multi-church it's another word, multi-church. It's by Brad House. Brad House and Greg Allison. I think, um, I think it would be really good to note at this stage because um, it sounds a bit like when we talk about, particularly when we use the word federation, that uh, like our goal is to um, take over the whole of Northamptonshire and <laughs> there won't be a place left without a vineyard church. And that, that might be our goal, but actually I think it's really important to put that in the context of what um, John shared last night. Is is not about world domination in that sense. It's about everyone. It's about every person. And so um, as we plant new sites and, and we think about the people in that location, um, the whole, whole idea of the church being there is that it has a better reach into the community that it's planted into rather than this one big place in a location that lots of people are coming to and some people feel would always be out of their reach. So it really is about the one, it's about the person in that local community being able to ha actually extend their arm and see that the church is there. Yeah. 
Yeah, should we do some of these some of these questions? Was there any other is there any other questions thrown up after? I might need Vicky back. Any other questions thrown up, Vicky? How do people relate? That's I think in our context it's um, a little bit different because where our sites are, they're very geographically defined communities. You know, I think it might be a little bit different in a city context where you might be, oh, I'm in the north of the city or something like that. But um, our sites are in very defined areas, very defined communities. Um, I would think the average person um, sees the place where they go on a Sunday as their church. Um, that, and, and that's our hope, actually. Um, and my other hope is they don't see us as the pastor because um, I'm not going to deliver that for them. <laughs> um, I'm not going to be able to achieve that for them. And, and in fact, I, I was on Facebook um, a while ago and there was, um, there was a family from our Wellingborough location um, and they were just, they made, they, they were thanking this. They were, oh, we just had a great time having a meal with our pastors and I didn't know who they were. Um, in the sense of I've never spoken to them. <laughs> but they weren't even talking about me. They were talking about our site pastors. You know, they, those people are never going to see Tammy and I as, as, their, as their pastors. And we're, we're quite comfortable with that uh, and quite happy for that to be the case. That actually this is about us empowering a whole bunch of other people uh, to, to, to do this. And so, so I, think, I think, yeah, I think people would, would see their location as their, their church community. It's quite interesting. We, we, bring our, we bring all our sites together three times a year uh, for what we call Big Church Sunday. Our number always drops. <laughs> um, what do you say? About 20%? Yeah. Um, So we thought we thought bringing all our sites together in one place would be the thing that creates the glue, and it's not. <laughs> I think it just does something for my ego, um, uh, um, and it looks good on Instagram. Um, I don't know, um, but other than that, I'm not sure what it does. Um, <laughs> it doesn't really extend the mission of our church, um, and so. Th- you know, I would be up for I'd be up for reviewing how often we do it. You know, currently we do it th- three times a year. It's great fun. Um, it's a lot of work because we're, you know, bringing people in in a larger context and stuff like that. And the band, uh, it's a bigger band, you know, and we we kind of try and make a big deal of it. Um, but it's not the glue. Um, and my assumption was it would be the glue, um, but it's not. Uh, that actually. Um, the glue for us is the, 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 the time that we get to interact with the, those leading. Um, and, and so, you know, we, we, we have regular contact with our site pastors. And, uh, you know, one of the things that Tammy and I are doing is, is we're trying to kind of equally spread out our time across those different locations. We might not always be preaching. Um, it's quite funny. We turned up at our Wellingborough location. Neither of us had any responsibility that day. And someone, someone said to Tammy, can I ask you to pray for me whilst you're off duty? Off duty, I've been 
So apparently if you're not preaching or teaching or up front, you're off duty on a Sunday. So, um, but you know, so, but yeah, so the, for us, it's that the connection to the leadership is connection to, to, to leaders. Someone had a question about what do we do with ministries? So was it, was it over here? Um, what do we do with different ministries in the life of the church? As I say, most of our um, compassion-based ministries are very centred in the communities that they exist in. And so, as I say, we've got no, no desire to um, franchise that out or cookie-cutter that out in any way whatsoever. Um, what's happened in some of those other places that we've planted into is that we've encouraged them to look at what's already happening and join in there. Um, rather than trying to recreate something ourselves, we just said, why don't you see what the Lord's doing and just go and join in, go and be part of what, what the Lord's doing there. Uh, things like small groups, we have kept them centrally. Um, uh, so all our small groups are, are administrative. Uh, the administration of our groups is all central. Um, whatever location you go to, you can go to any group. Um, so we haven't, we haven't made like a groups that are focused on a particular site or anything like that. Uh, we currently, but it's up for grabs, we currently do like termly-based groups. Um, we, and we're, we're, we've been on like a five, six-year journey with that and kind of a bit worn out. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so currently, but currently our groups are just a free-for-all. You can go to whatever group you want to go to. Um, what else? So we, we um, and that's probably a number of people in this room do it as well, our groups run, for, for us, um, they run for a 10-week block, and then we have like um, an open time, like six weeks where there's no groups, and people have to sign up to those groups each time. Um, but we just, we just increasingly found our number of people engaged in groups is going the wrong way, so we're, we're exploring. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, so there's probably there's probably a number of folks in this room that do groups that way. Um, we we've tried and um, to, with mixed success to make all our training centralised. Um, and so, because we've got these termly based groups, the the way we do it is that during the the time where groups aren't running, we we run what we call equip training sessions. Um, uh, within that, we've developed a couple of different things. We do Discovering Central Vineyard, which is like our Vineyard 101 uh, course. We do something called Discovering Discipleship, uh, where, where we basically ripped off everything John Mark Comer has ever said. Okay, um, And um, we're about to do some stuff with leadership development. And then in the summer months... Uh, instead of doing those courses, we do something called Equip Nano, which is just one-off training things like how do you pray for the sick, how do you hear God's voice, how do you read the scriptures more effectively. And so, and the idea is, you know, we all come back together centrally um, uh, to do training and, and equipping, equipping that way. How would you answer some of these questions? Yeah. I think there's a couple um, that I'd properly put together. Um, so how, how would you gauge success? What does failure look like? What makes you think, you know, why did I do this? Um, 
because it's it's happened in quite a short, what I would deem a short space of time in the world of um, church planting and multiplying. Um, so on a weekly basis, you know, why why did we do this? Um, and and I think at this stage it's hard to gauge what success is because if the long term the long term goal is is to have churches that people in their communities can reach out to and be transformed by that is just a long term long term goal it's 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 almost like too soon to measure what that success is if we were talking about which site has been more successful you know perhaps one of the models that we because we've tried all three which one is more successful and I, and I think actually what what does deem success is are are people healthy are people being discipled and I think for us in this short period of time we've been able to see some of the some of the strains um, that 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 might be so every leader every site pastor that we have in each of those locations has a completely different personality and a completely different way of relating and hearing messages um and so it's recognizing that actually one size doesn't fit all so we can't communicate to them all the same way Uh, we can't say the same thing and it would mean the same thing to all those people and so we're really having to think about that structure of when we 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 try and meet with our site pastors um once a month and we get together with them uh, for lunch just to talk about how they're doing and and we've had a bit of a thing where most of them are in the office in some way shape or form working um, or involved in other things in the life of the church where we have that Um, so I think recognizing that as a model thinking you can communicate to them all one message that that's probably been um, a huge learning curve for us um and and so i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't say it's failure i think what failure might look like is that we've sent people out on the multi-site journey and they might recognize in that journey that it's not for them um or they might think we've done this but actually i'm a church planter and this is holding me back so i think failure would be for us overseeing this thing not to recognize that and not to recognize what God's doing and I think Steve already mentioned it just having a real light grip on the on this moment um, because it can change at any point and I think failure would be for us not to hear from God and respond to him in that way Um, and I think so the things that we sort of think, oh, why did we do this? And I think it is just the complexities of how you communicate, how you deliver, um, and how that outworks in each of the sites. So some sites are really happy to, you know, travel 10 minutes down the road, but some sites feel like, oh, why have we got to go to Northampton again? And it is mostly... Um, for the fact that there's space you know we've looked in some of the other smaller towns for larger venues to run joint meetings and teachings and things like that, and there just isn't the space um, so I think being sensitive to that we try and encourage people to never refer to Northampton as the main site or the main place or the place you know and we're always sensitive like Steve and I try and go to all the locations at least once a month you know and it's very much like we call it central vineyard this is our home um 
as much as that place is our home. And so it's never making the sites feel like, you know, the poor cousin or um, relative in that sense. Um, and that, and I think that comes from language uh, and how you position yourself um, in those environments. Um, yeah. Yeah, so just, to, I'm just conscious of time, but um, um, just, just I guess if we could say some lessons learned, um, just some thoughts that I jotted down was don't underestimate the leverage and favour running out of space can give you. <laughs> um, and so for us, being maxed out in one place um, really bought us equity when we said to people, we're going we're gonna to multiply this. <laughs> because people were grumpy with us, you know. Um, people weren't happy. They weren't comfortable uh, because we're all packed in like sardines. And so, um, you know, I think there's some leverage in that. I think if, if, if you were to embark on a multi-site journey, I would say go to multiple services first um, because it just, it just it teaches you a whole bunch of things. It shows your people that they can be one church and not see each other every week. Um, you know, because that, that was the big objection. We went, we went to two services. Like, I'm not going to see my friend. I'm like... Really? <laughs> you know, you're not going to see your friend. You can't phone them up, find out what service they're going to. Um, but, you know, um, so I, th I think multiple services, that gallery approach um, can be, um, can be a, an aid. In, it can almost be like the training wheels, if you like, um, of how we're, we're going to do this. I, I came across this quote from Ed Stetzer. He said, if your church is empty in a single location, it's still, still going to be empty in two locations. <laughs> Um, you know, so I think it is important uh, that, you know, if you're fighting for space, then that's good leverage for, for what you want to do. Um, the other thing, that, other lesson that we've learned the hard way is sort out your kinks before you multiply. You know, if the systems that are broken are not working whilst you're one location, if you multiply <laughs> with those problems, guess what? You're just going to multiply the problem. Um, just, it's just going to continue. Uh, the other thing is you constantly need to clarify with, with your site pastors what the expectations and the parameters are. Um, because um, I think a site pastor is different to someone who's called to plant a church. Um, in, in some ways, a site pastor... It needs to own the vision of the church. They don't need to carve out their own vision, um, and that's re that's really really important, you know. And and it might be that a site pastor morphs into a church planter, and that that's okay. Um, you know, one of the questions that people ask us is, will these sites become autonomous churches? And and whilst that's not our strategy, we are we're completely open to that reality that, you know, if that's what the Lord's doing, then let's, let's release them as, as church plants. And then the last lesson that we've learned more recently is the language of multi-site is meaningless to the average person in your church. It means nothing. It's two words put together. It's not even in the dictionary. Um, and, and so we've made a concerted effort to stop using that language in our, in our church, we just don't use that language anymore. Um, we might talk internally, we might still use multi-site jargon, but publicly, we recognise it's just meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. And so we talk about having gatherings uh, in different places. We, um, 
you know, we've just removed all the jargon. We don't even call them site pastors anymore. We just call them pastors. Um, you know, but we've just, we've just removed all that, that jargon. Um, that question, actually, about what to put in place now for two years' time. Yeah. And so I think that probably covers some of it. I think systems... I think systems are, are really important and um, maybe if you have a senior pastor and you're here, John and Debbie were uh, talking at the senior pastor's dinner about the importance of systems and systems are just the thing that will function in one place and transfer to the next. Um, and it, if you can get the systems right and get that flow right, I think it, can, it just adds a sense of security. Um, so what's happening? It's all everything's kind of undergirded by, undergirded by the systems. So systems in place will really do um, you well. Yeah, we basically did that, and we called it meet in the middle, and that was. That was donut and coffee time. Um, and so we had this half an hour window where we, um, we said, you know, you can, you can turn up early or, you know, you can catch up with your friends in, the, in between. And some people made that their, their goal to connect in, connect in the middle. Um, that is far less important to people now. They, don't, they got so used to it now, you know. And um, someone asked about do people choose which location to go to in a multi-service situation we found people change from each each week you know so um, if they have got the mother-in-law coming for dinner then they'll come to the 9 30 um, and if they were up late on saturday they'll come to the 11 15 um, and it, it, they don't discriminate on that level do people go from site to site not so much and i think that's our context because they're in very different towns um it might be different in a city you know people might sorry that's without the exception of uh, a couple one of the sites they just don't meet in the summer so the people from that site do then go i think they feel confident just to go oh where's the where's the other place meeting and they'll go and choose one of those services to go to um, so i think that works quite well there that's it, folks. We've, we've done an hour, but um, we'll, we'll stick around for the next 15 minutes. And um, yeah, we've got, uh, yeah, and um, Craig's here as well. He knows what he's doing. Um, <laughs> so, um, no, um, we'll stick around for the next 15 minutes if you want to grab us. Feel free to um, drop me a line. Otherwise, we'd love to chat and talk through some more. We could have talked a lot about leadership structures and matrixes and stuff like that. And we just, don't have the time today, but um, but yeah, thank you.